So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. This week, as awards season winds down, we pick some of our all-time favorite film soundtracks. Plus, we review the soundtrack from the movie Black Panther and hear about what got Latin electronic artist Gelato Negro into music. And I think that's what made me want to start making music was always starting with that question, like, how do I get that? How do I make that? How do I do that sound? That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Greg, although our lives are consumed by music, on rare occasions we do go to the movies. Uh, Often I'm catching up on the DVR. Uh, You know, a great film is made even better with a really well-sequenced soundtrack. There can also be the opposite. I remember talking to Cameron Crowe years ago when one of the first uh, Batman reboots came out and mocking the idea of the corporation that made the movie being in bed with the corporation that makes the record and, you know, just randomly choosing songs as an additional product. That's not what we're talking about. We did this show once in 2008. We both picked some of our favorite soundtracks. We're going to do it again now because uh, it's a never-ending list, and we're going to hear from some of our listeners as well. That's later in the show, Jim, but first we've got some new music. That is a little bit of All the Stars, the first of three chart-topping singles so far from Black Panther, the album. It has a longer name, but everybody's just calling it Black Panther, the album. Uh, Of course, the soundtrack, Greg, to the blockbuster film Black Panther, breaking breaking all records in Hollywood, a smash success. Uh, It's got an album as well, and the album has a fascinating story. Kendrick Lamar had been tapped early on during his tour for Damn, the amazing album he released in 2017, his fourth proper album, uh, to do a couple of songs. But he saw an early cut of the movie and was so inspired, he kind of ran with the ball. It's a Kendrick Lamar album, except it really isn't. Uh, There are a lot of collaborations many of them from his top dog entertainment posse, SZA, Travis Scott, Georgia Smith, uh, J-Rock Future, James Blake, The Weeknd. But he is, to some degree, on every track. So people are going crazy about this Kendrick album, but not a Kendrick album, just like they're loving the movie. We're going to play a song from the soundtrack, and we'll come back and give our reviews. This is Bloody Waters from Black Panther, the album on Sound Opinions. All that stays in, all that stays in, I don't keep it, I won't be here for it. All those days in, all that stays in, 
Bloody Waters from Black Panther, the soundtrack on Sound Opinions. Uh, that record, Jim, uh, is all over the charts. It is a signpost moment for American culture, for pop culture, for black culture. It is a record that people are going to be talking about for a long time. Uh, Lamar's getting a lot of uh, praise for this record. He basically curated this project. Uh, and, and, you know, the stars do come out on this record. The, the collaboration with SZA is getting a lot of attention. His collaboration with The Weeknd is getting a lot of attention mm-hmm. on the charts. Uh, there's that Travis Scott track, Big Shot. Welcome. Big Shot. Hold up, wait. No. Outside. Come White body look like Gentiles. Gentiles. You know, as much as I like many of those artists, Kendrick is, of course, the the leading hip-hop artist of our time, I don't think this is necessarily his best work individually. He's, you know, it's perfectly fine. But to me, the real genius of this record is that Kendrick is bringing in some of these uh, lesser-sung artists to uh, to perform. And I think they really uh, are the revelations on this record and the reason that somebody may want to check this out. Who who are you thinking of? I think you can find better work by Kendrick Lamar and SZA on their own records, let's put it that way. But I'm thinking of Georgia Smith with that track, I Am. Somebody's always gonna say something Try and shoot me down for voicing my own opinion Triggering a part of me that's always been a different Oh my gosh, uh, this is incredible it, I guess it's a torch ballad uh-huh. But it's got some real grit to it I and love that, that song And that song, Ops, you know, the verse by this young female MC from Johannesburg, Eugen uh, Blackrock um, goes toe to toe with Vince Staples and Kendrick and, you know, doesn't give any ground at all I move like a millipede when I flex them tendons like rubber trees. Young Billy Jackson back to the mouthpiece drawn, got a verbal armory. Stack bodies, not figurines. Move beneath the surface, submarine. I'm half machine, obscene with a light sword. Look inside the brain, it's a riot in the psych ward. So these are revelatory performances by these artists. The track we just played, Bloody Waters, I quite like that one. You know, that to me is a, a, a tribute 
to uh, Soundwave, who has been one of uh, Kendrick's uh, right-hand people in the recording studio, does the bulk of the production on this record as well. But that sort of weird Caribbean vibe that's mm-hmm. in that song, mm-hmm. combined with those haunted robotic voices, you know, the the, the cameos by Ab Soul and Anderson Pock, uh, those are uh, these are fascinating tracks. So I would say I'm going to give this record a buy it, but maybe not for the reasons that people think. You know, Kendrick, SZA, The Weeknd. It's about these unsung artists that are on on this record that really make it for me. I agree with you, Greg. It is a buy it. It's it's kind of on the cusp for me. Kendrick as Kendrick is kind of more laid back here, certainly much more so than than on Damn uh, last year or even Mad City or To Pimp a Butterfly. But viewing it as a Kendrick album, I think, is the wrong approach. It wouldn't exist without the movie. The movie inspired Kendrick to uh, run with the ball. He had a lot of help. I think you're right. Uh, I love the musical variety. You know, we have R&B, we have rap, Afro soul, uh, South African pop, uh, you know, a little bit of everything and all of these different voices, all with a certain spirit. It is the spirit, Greg, of those brave women of Wakanda who, let's face it, steal the movie. You know, mm, yeah. it, it is it is not the Black Panther in that regard. Certainly, if you love the movie and everybody does, uh, this is going to be uh, a way to extend it uh, when you go home. You know, Greg, it's not quite as synergistic uh, as a great soundtrack like, I don't know, uh, Superfly by Curtis Mayfield, but it is a wonderful companion to the film. Then I also think it it, it it stands on its own. So two buy-its for Black Panther, the soundtrack. Speaking of film soundtracks, after a short break, we'll share some of our favorite movie soundtracks as well as hear some listeners' picks. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And that was Superfly from the classic 72 film soundtrack by Curtis Mayfield. The best soundtracks, Greg, I think, use music to help push the story forward, or sometimes they just do it to set a mood. Absolutely, Jim. You know, a while back, it should be noted that we've done a show like this previously at Sound Opinions. But we're not repeating ourselves. We are not. We are, we're going deep. There's so many great soundtracks to choose from. The first time around, I did pick Superfly as one of my all-time favorite soundtracks, as well as American Graffiti, Hype, that great movie about the 90s Seattle scene, and The Harder They Come, the great reggae movie starring Jimmy Cliff that introduced that art form to America, basically. Jim, you picked the uh, Royal Tenenbaums, Silence of the Lambs, Sorcerer, and The Craft. Today we're going to share more of our favorite movie soundtracks, and Greg, you're going to kick it off. Jim, I'm going to go right to the soundtrack for the movie Shaft from 1971. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, that theme from Shaft, it sets up that movie so perfectly. Uh, you see Richard Roundtree, the actor playing Shaft, emerging from a subway, waiting in traffic, immediately showing that he doesn't care about the law, even though he's, you know, he's supposed to yeah, be yeah. preserving it. You know, he's flipping off cab drivers. He's jaywalking like a madman. I'm telling you, this is one of the best opening uh, scenes in movies, and, and the soundtrack uh, really sets it up. It's set up by Isaac Hayes, the composer 
composer and the band that he was working with, the Barkays, one of the great uh, Memphis session groups of all time. You know, that sizzling hi-hat by Willie Hall, that, that Skip Pitts wah-wah guitar line that is so iconic. Here was a theme song that was not only a huge hit single, but won an Academy Award for Best Theme Song. The first time an African-American composer, a.k.a. Isaac Hayes, won an Academy Award. It is the best-selling album of all time on the Stax label uh, out of Memphis, which uh, had so many great artists, Otis Redding and, and Sam and Dave. Um, Hayes uh, was able to stretch out. This is an orchestral record where he able to use the full talents that he had. Uh, people forget, before he became Black Moses, his artist, he was a, a, a producer and songwriter in the Memphis studios throughout the 60s. Here's the uh, apex of his career in many ways, I think. The theme from Shaft by Isaac Hayes on Sound Opinions. That is a theme from Chef by Isaac Hayes on Sound Opinions, one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Jim, what do you got first? That's a good pick, Greg. Uh, I'm going to go to Pink Floyd. Uh, which did several soundtracks in the middle phase of their career after Sid Barrett left and before The Dark Side of the Moon made them worldwide superstars. Um, I think a lot of people don't even know that More was a film soundtrack. It's the third album in Pink Floyd's discography. Uh, you know, Sid Barrett was still on parts of the second record, uh, and then he's gone, and the band has to reinvent itself. Barbet Schroeder is an interesting guy, Iranian-born, based in Switzerland, but a hero of French New Wave cinema. And in 1969, he made this film more. It is a lousy film. Boy, is it. Mm. You know you know those uh, late 60s films <laughs> where very attractive European youth run around dreaming of revolution uh, and engaging in what was then called free love and drug experimentation with no plot? Mm -hmm. This is one of those movies. Um, he had an interesting idea for the soundtrack. He did not want a traditional soundtrack. He only wanted incidental music from Pink Floyd when somebody turned on the car radio or when Estelle, you know, the, the beautiful young woman who's the heroine, uh, gets up in her Paris apartment and puts on a record, right? Mm -hmm. right? So then you hear Pink Floyd. And, and it makes no rhyme nor reason, but it is a wonderful album. In fact, I would say it is a much, much, much better album than it is a film. Both the uh, traditional pastoral Pink Floyd psychedelia of Cirrus Minor or uh, Up the Kyber, Green is the Color, Cymbaline, 
But also, I would say, uh, even more so than Run Like Hell from The Wall, the single hardest rocking, most heavy metal song in all of Pink Floyd's history, wow. the Nile song. This is a song that starts at the climax, at 11, as Spinal Tap would say, and then goes further with David Gilmour on incredible guitar and vocals, although Waters wrote the song. The Nile song by Pink Floyd from 1969's More on Sound Opinions. The Nile song. Man, I love that song. Pink Floyd from the Moore soundtrack, 1969. Greg, give us another soundtrack. Jim, uh, I played one of the best-known soundtracks of all time to start out my list with uh, Shaft, and now I'm going to go to one of the most obscure ones. Uh, it's from a movie called Manhunter in yes. 1986. This is one of my favorite movies. It, it, it did terrible business at the box office. It almost went away as soon as it was released. It's sort of developed this cult following ever since. Because of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it's a Thomas Lamb. Harris novel. It sort of uh, set the whole uh, tone for that whole series of movies that around the Hannibal Lecter villain <laughs> as popularized in most people's mind by Anthony Hopkins, who plays that role masterfully. But the first, uh, uh, the first version of that whole sequence of movies about Hannibal Lecter was uh, the, the actor who played him was Brian Cox, a much more mm -hmm. low-key performance compared to Hopkins. Uh, and Michael Mann does a masterful job of focusing in on the dance between the serial killer who's on the loose uh, Hannibal Lecter, who's in jail, sort of like a confidant slash antagonist of the detective on the trail of the the, the serial killer, who's played by a Chicago actor named William Peterson. Uh, again, one of my favorite actors, a veteran of the Chicago theater scene, one of the key members of the Remains Theater group in Chicago for many years, and later on was Steppenwolf. And um, what I loved about the movie, besides the acting, was the astute choices that uh, man made in using music to complement what was going on in the screen. This is a really dark, creepy movie, as oh, you yeah. might expect. But I would say the soundtrack is is incredibly creepy in that regard. But the, the real find for me 
was this band, this English rock band, Shriekback, um, uh, which included a former member of XTC, Barry Andrews, uh, and Dave Allen, Allen, formerly of Gang of Four on Bass. I'd owned their records uh, up to that point. I loved those records. And then hearing them the way they were used in this movie really made me think, man, I wish I'd, I'd gotten a chance to see this band live. The tone that they set in this song, This Big Hush, really encapsulates the movie for me. Here's Shriekback with This Big Hush from the Manhunter soundtrack in 1986 on Sound Opinions. Is there a fire in the sky? Is there a moon up there? Is anything like now? This darkness is what I hear. This is a breathless silence. This big hush from Shriek Back from the Manhunter soundtrack. Jim, what's your next pick? Greg, I have highlighted the wonderful soundtrack from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, that 2010 film, a couple of times on Sound Opinions. I have played uh, the theme song by the band in the movie, Sex Babam. We <laughs> are Sex Babam. I have played Garbage Truck, uh, one of my favorite tracks uh, that Beck wrote for the film. I am neither a uh, big video gamer or a huge comic book fan, but I just love this movie. And I think a big part of why it succeeds is it's, uh, you know, A, the graphics are really innovative, but B, the way the music is used so well. I give a lot of that credit to Beck. Beck wrote the songs for the band in the film. I think he helped curate the music. Uh, we have Frank Black and Beechwood Sparks, some some unconventional uh, choices, Broken Social Scene and the Rolling Stones, and then a whole lot of Beck music. In fact, I think after Sea Changes, it may be my favorite Beck album. Um, there are are two versions of a song that is the theme song for the heroine of the film. Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Ramona. Michael Sarah, uh, as Scott Pel- Pilgrim, is obsessed with her. <laughs> the problem is, of course, she has seven evil exes, and he must battle them one by one to win her heart. Uh, you know, the Frank Black song, Ramona, uh, I heard Ramona sing, uh, helps set the tone. And then there's two versions, an acoustic version and a full-on, very sea change electric version that Beck delivers of the song Ramona. I'm going to play the acoustic uh, song. I I, I just think it's beautiful, and you can uh, appreciate the vocals more than the moodier electric version. Uh, And and I love Ramona, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Man, she kicks butt. Here's Beck with Ramona from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ramona 
Ramona, the acoustic version by Beck, one of two versions of that tune on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Now it's time, Greg, to listen to some listeners' picks. Hey, guys, how's it going? This is Mike from Philadelphia. Let's talk great soundtracks. My all-time favorite soundtrack is of a movie not a lot of people saw. It's called Times Square. And uh, it was produced by Robert Stigwood, who did Saturday Night Fever and Grease. And it was sort of his attempt at doing kind of a Saturday Night Fever for the punk scene. It wasn't a big success, but it did produce one of the greatest soundtracks ever. And I got the full Robert Stigwood treatment with two albums of Fold-out, gatefold sleeve, and amazing band. Susie Quattro, The Pretenders, Roxy Music, Gary Newman, Talking Heads, XTC, The Cure, Pat Smith Group, uh, the lead of the movie, Robin Johnson, doing a duet with David Johansson, Lou Reed. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing soundtrack, and I'm, I'm bowled over that they haven't reissued it. That is my soundtrack choice. I hope you dig it, and uh, love the show, and talk to you later. She never takes a chance. She That is truly an awful movie. There, there was that 15 minutes right after the Ramones broke where everybody thought punk was going to be the next big thing yeah. and people would cash in. But people like Robert Stakewood, really, yeah. you know, trying to cash in. Horrible movie, great soundtrack. He's yeah, right. I, I could see being a kid during that era and picking up something like this and having your mind blown, you yeah. know, just introduced to a whole new set of music that you'd never heard before. All right, we got another listener, Greg. This is Charles calling about your soundtrack episode. I'd have to put the very top of the list, the soundtrack from Pulp Fiction. you got a great mix of some garage rock, such as Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon from Urge Overkill. Uh, but then you get some good funk on there. We can go with Jungle Boogie from Cool in the Gang. Depending on genre, you can obviously make a big argument for Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, Volume 1 on there, which is just a really great compilation of 1970s rock music on there. Call him with lounge rock on there. It's a great sauce collection. Very different albums, both really strong, good soundtracks. Really enjoy the show, listen every week, keep up the great work. Thanks, bye. You know, that Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack sounds like it should have come out on 8-track on one of those yeah. KTEL compilations in the, in the uh, 
in the 70s. And I was going to say about Pulp Fiction, Tarantino's done, obviously, a number of uh, really interesting movies with great soundtracks. But my favorite of his is Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. Where he's uh, getting that those 70s, uh, uh, those Dusty's tracks, especially yeah. across 110th Street by uh, Bobby Womack. Yeah, good stuff. And I think Charles was cheating there, sneaking two in. Yes. But we are always happy to hear from all of our listeners. We want you in on the conversation. What is your favorite film soundtrack? Leave us a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800, or find us on Facebook or Twitter. When we come back after a short break, more of our favorite soundtrack picks in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. We are sitting here in the balcony like our heroes, Siskel and Ebert, <laughs> this week talking about soundtracks. Uh, my partner, of course, is Greg Cott. Um, Greg we love soundtrack albums. We are always going to love music more than film. I had many arguments with Roger Ebert when he was my colleague at the Sun-Times about how much easier he had it, right? Mm. You know, he sat in the dark for 90 minutes. He had all these things to write about, the plot, the acting, the directing, the cinematography, and the soundtrack. We just have the albums, but we have some great picks. What's your next one? Jim, uh, 24-Hour Party People is my next uh, pick. Uh, very good movie. Love the movie. Love the soundtrack, too, because it, it, it uh, really speaks to an era, and especially a record label and an, uh, a record label impresario, if you may use that term. Uh, there, were, there were really uh, some of my favorites from, from the late 70s into the early 90s. I'm talking about Factory Records. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Manchester is that scene, and I'm talking about Tony Wilson, who was uh, the guy who basically founded uh, Factory Records. Had no idea what he was doing, <laughs> no. but at the same time, just sort of, you know, made his way through the world as this great rack on tour, uh, this blowhard, and at the same time, an incredibly entertaining guy who loved art, who loved music, and uh, supported bands like Joy Division and New Order and a certain ratio and the Doritti Column and Happy Mondays when uh, when Many of these bands never would have been signed by anybody else no. and, and put out some amazing music in, in, in the translation. So you've got Coog- Steve Coogan doing a nice job. Uh, uh, you know, he, he did not try to uh, be Tony Wilson. I, I'd met Tony Wilson a few times. Steve Coogan doesn't resemble Tony Wilson in any way. But he got the vibe right. He got the, you know, the, the, the sort of... You know, I'm just going to make something happen here. I'm <laughs> yeah. not quite sure how it's going to end up, but hey, I'm going to give it a let's shot. Let's put on a show. And yeah. he's really funny and entertaining while he's doing it. And uh, there, there's some great scenes here where they kind of uh, have actors playing some of these bands. In particular, I'm thinking about Joy Division, where you kind of go, man, that's about as close as I'll ever get to seeing that band live. And it's not, it looks really good. Uh, the, the actor, uh, Sean Harris, who plays uh, Joy Division's Ian Curtis, is, is quite riveting in this movie. And, and, the, and the soundtrack is equally impressive. I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest music ever made. I, I, I listed all those bands, as well as the uh, uh, capturing some of the rave scene that followed it. Uh, that was uh, centered in Madchester, as it became mm-hmm. known. Um, but the Joy Division stuff is, is a real sweet spot for me, as you know, Jim. And I, I, uh, One that I don't share, yes, but I admire your enthusiasm. There's a scene in the movie where they, they deal with the fact that uh, uh, Ian Curtis was dealing with these epileptic fits. It was one of the reasons that people suspect he ended up killing himself at a very young age. Um, and, and there's a scene in the movie where uh, the band is doing the song Transmission, one of my all-time favorites, and, and the actor Sean Harris is, uh, is, is having one of these fits, and you could sort of see this whole darkness coming over the film. So even though it's a somewhat of a comedy, there's also this dramatic and dark underside. Here's Transmission from Joy Division from the 24-Hour Party People soundtrack on Sound Opinions. 
That is Transmission from Joy Division on the 24-Hour Party People soundtrack, one of my favorite movies of all time. Jim, what's your next pick? Greg, I'm going to go to a real film and music partnership, the wonderful Magnolia film by Paul Thomas Anderson in 1999. Um, I love the fact that this incredibly talented director uh, was listening to Amy Mann's uh, already released solo albums and some demo recordings for an album that was in the works, and that inspired this movie. You know, I mean, I think a lot of artists, a lot of great painters, uh, sculptors, filmmakers listen to music. You know, uh, Cameron Crowe told me once, you know, every scene he's playing uh, music uh, in the background to get the actors in the right headspace, right? You know, mm-hmm. because it gets him in the right headspace to write, gets them in the right headspace. You know, Anderson actually, uh, you know, kind of birthed this movie from uh, Amy Mann's uh, songwriting, and, and she was kind of unaware of it, right? Yeah. So there are both Amy Mann songs that were existing already and a few that she wrote uh, specifically for the film. Uh, you know, Save Me, I think, is is the most brilliant of those. I mean, probably the single uh, best song of Amy Mann's career, which is saying something. You and I are both huge fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a, a friend of Sound Opinions, been on the show many times. But there is something magical about this tune. And what she does in a couple of minutes encapsulates everything in this incredibly ambitious ensemble piece that uh, Anderson directed. Save Me by Amy Mann on Sound Opinions. Save Me from the Magnolia soundtrack, 1999. Let's hear from some more listeners, Greg. Hi, this is Jim calling from Bloomingdale, Illinois. My favorite movie soundtrack has to be The Harder They Come from 1972. Not only is it a fantastic compilation of songs on its own right, featuring some truly great tunes by the Maytals, the Melodians, the Slickers, and my personal favorite, a wicked DJ cut on a rock steady rhythm from Scotty. It was also released at a time when reggae had sort of crystallized after nearly a decade of evolution by a ska and rock steady. Uh, an international star out of Jimmy Cliff, uh, and it helped to expose the genre to a larger global audience. Many rivers to cross, but I can't seem to find my way over. Wandering, I am lost. The 
Whaler's seminal album Catch a Fire was released the very next year, so sort of in a way, this soundtrack can be seen as the precursor to the 1970s reggae boom by getting international ears used to the Jamaican sound. Thanks, guys. You know, a really good example of a, a decent movie, a good movie. It's sort of a genre movie. Gangsta flick. But man, you know, like a greatest hit soundtrack <laughs> yes. that 40 years later still sounds awesome. I mean, it's incredible. Hey, Jim and Greg, this is Matthew calling from downtown Chicago. And my favorite soundtrack is Tron, which I saw in 1982 when it came out in the theater. great soundtrack there's great themes i love the textures when wendy carlos wrote it she didn't want to just write analog synthesizer stuff for it she in included a, a whole you know orchestration of a full orchestra with those modes Years later, I was in a band traveling around the western United States. I had been looking for years for Tron on vinyl, and I, I was so excited when I found it on the road in Missoula, Montana, in this little record store. And I was really stoked to come home and listen to it, and actually still really like the music. All right, take care, guys. Bye. I gotta hand it to Matthew for digging deep there, Greg. But I, I don't know. <laughs> that was a really bad movie, and and a not too impressive soundtrack that I can remember, or what we just heard. You know, now Wendy Carlos did uh, the mm -hmm. soundtrack for A Clockwork Orange, and that is a great one. I would encourage you, Matthew, to go listen to that one. But you and me, we have uh, one more pick each. Yes, we do, Jim. I'm going to go to uh, one of my favorite movies of the last 15 years, A Lost in Translation. Uh, it stars Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. The, the, the tone that this movie sets, uh, director Sofia Coppola, I've, I've loved her movies in particular, but the way she's able to uh, develop relationships and sort of create a sort of a realistic atmosphere around yeah. those relationships. Here, uh, you have two people from different generations who really don't have anything in common, other than the fact that they're Americans who are really, really lost in Japan. They're, they're staying there temporarily, and they have, they're lonely. Uh, there's a sense of complete awkwardness about their relationship to the city that they're in, as well as to each other. Mm -hmm. They don't even know how to say goodbye to each other, even though there's something there. The music that was chosen for this soundtrack, particularly astute, at a time when people were going, where's my bloody Valentine? Are they ever going to release another... <laughs> yeah another song, you get five songs by Kevin Shields of right. My Bloody Valentine, which was an amazing coup and shows you the kind of respect uh, that Sofia Coppola had, had uh, uh, you know, engendered in the music community. Well, she, she is a super music fan, you know. She has. And, and her, all of her soundtracks yeah. have been exquisite. And it's funny because that closing scene is always very powerful. Murray finally tracks down uh, Scarlett Johansson, and they and they sort of say goodbye, and he whispers something in her ear. And one of the great movie mysteries is, what does he say what to her? He say, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, it's probably something really mundane, like you know, you know, I feel like pizza right now. What do you think? <laughs> but the music does the job for it, and it's this uh, haunting track by the Jesus and Mary chain, mm -hmm. uh, just like Honey, where you know the lines in there are walking back to you is the hardest thing that I can do, and. That's essentially the, the movie right there in a nutshell. Here's the song speaking for the actors in the final scene, this very poignant 
final scene in Lost in Translation. Here is Just Like Honey from the Jesus and Mary Chain from the Lost in Translation soundtrack on Sound Opinions. That is the Jesus and Mary Jane with Just Like Honey from the Lost in Translation soundtrack. Jim, you have one more pick. What's it going to be? I do, Greg, and I have to say it would be my number one choice ever if I had to restrict it to one for the best song ever written specifically for a film. Uh, Spike Lee came to Public Enemy and Chuck D and wanted a tune that would be the driving force of Do the Right Thing, that incredible 1989 film about race relations in New York, more timely today, I think, than, than and even it was at that time. And Chuck D delivers Fight the Power. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is one of the best songs just in all of rock history. And, yeah, I use that word rock. I mean, in the broadest sense of a music in opposition to all that is wrong with life, not only <laughs> politically, but, but the forces of nihilism, right? This is a celebration of life, but it's also a fight song. And it starts, you know, here we are at the moment, 1989, right? Yeah, right. And it just gets better from there. Uh, Chuck's marching orders from Spike were, I want something rhythmic. I want something angry. I want something defiant. And I would say he delivered all of that and more. Uh, you know, the fact that the Bomb Squad production has everything from a, a Branford Marsalis solo mm -hmm. recorded for it to to this dense tapestry uh, of, of other elements, you know, uh, famously James Brown, uh, but, you know, Stetsasonic, you name it, it's in there, that incredibly dense production and Chuck's voice. I mean, what a voice. Uh, always said he was inspired by the basketball announcer Marv Albert, mm -hmm. yeah. and there is that kind of on-the-mic uh, announcer quality and Flav interjecting, uh, you know, just silliness along the side. You know, famously, mm -hmm. Chuck disses Elvis Presley, and Flav, you know, says, and John Wayne, too, right? Mm -hmm. I know what they're saying. It's not a particularly anti-Elvis statement. It's about the ubiquity of white culture always claiming to be better than black culture. Uh, this is the song that drives me to the ramparts every time I hear it. Uh, and I've seen the film a dozen times. The film is better for the song. The song is better for the collaboration with Spike Lee. Fight the power by Public Enemy on Sound Opinions.
Public Enemy, fight the power from Do the Right Thing in 1989. Greg, it's not entirely a Public Enemy soundtrack album. There are some other good picks, too. Reuben Blades and uh, and Teddy Riley. But, man, yeah. as far as, like, a song written for a movie, you know, you, know, you call up your friend Chuck. You say, hey, man, can you give me a tune for a movie? And he <laughs> delivers that song. Amazing. Absolutely, Jim. Uh, Chuck D. on the megaphone. You cannot beat that. That's a great choice. And that's going to wrap up our latest list of uh, movie soundtrack favorites. But what's your favorite film soundtrack? Give us a call and leave a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800, or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. That is a little bit of the track Come Be Me by Halado Negro. That is uh, black ice cream in Spanish, Greg. Born Roberto Carlos Alange, Halado Negro blends the tropical sounds of his South Florida upbringing with psychedelic electronics. In this installment of our occasional series, Hooked on Sonics, we hear about how his older cousin opened his eyes to other worlds of music. I could tell you two songs, and I wouldn't say that they're the thing that made me make music. They're the thing that, in my mind, said, how did they do this? And I think that's what made me want to start making music was always starting with that question, like, how do I get that? How do I make that? How do I do that sound, you know? And my cousin, I think I was, like, maybe, like, a sophomore or junior in high school, and he's, like, 10 years older than me. He gave me a Love Supreme for Christmas. And then when I heard Love Supreme, I was like, this is dope. I'd never really heard jazz. I was like, man, this is a crazy sound. This is amazing. In a sense, for Love Supreme, it was like understanding the band. Like, I think... I had only experienced bands in like a different way, like punk rock bands or like hardcore bands or something like that. Or just like bands that my, my dad's friends would come over and play music in the house, you know? But that was like a different kind of sound. That was like this, um, it was just this feeling that I really couldn't explain. I was like, I don't understand how they're doing this all together. How, are, how do they know where all the stuff goes? How do they know how this is all coming together? How do they know, besides like timing and rhythm, like, where is the beginning and the end of the song, 
you know and i think that was like all the questions like i love supreme made me ask you know i really had just kind of this like it was a mystery and it was really beautiful it was an inspiring mystery then he went away he moved away and then i remember he wrote me he's like hey man i need you to go to the store and buy me these like five cds and mail them to me and i was like all right i opened them all up and i'm like man, i'm gonna listen to all this first and one of them was like an Aphex Twin record. It was Come to Daddy. It was the song on it called Is Us. Man, I kept that CD. for is us all his other stuff on that record was like so frantic and kind of wild and kind of like crazily like uh, composed in an OCD sense that song was like so spread open and you could feel the groove I was like I love that he could do that and I felt like it was through the sounds and through the arrangement of those sounds I could hear the drums I could hear like the melodies in a dark sense haunt the groove that was Halado Negro telling us about the song that got him hooked on Sonics it's a good day on Sound Opinions, Greg, whenever we hear a little Richard D. James, Aphex Twin. <laughs> Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we've got another episode of our Buried Treasures series. Uh, we're going to dig deep for some songs underneath the mainstream radar that you need to hear. Greg, as always, Sound Opinions was produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, and Iona Contreras. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. This is Crystal from South Side of Chicago. I wanted to put in my two cents about a song that I love. That's a great cover that I've loved since I was a little girl. It's I Only Have Eyes for You. It was originally a flamingo song, and it ended up being covered by Art Garfunkel. The way his voice sounds, and along with this lush produced music behind him, it just sounds so wonderful. I mean, his voice is wonderful in, in itself, but the production on it is just so beautiful and very dreamy. And I just want to say that that was always my favorite song growing up as a little girl, but I didn't know that it was actually a cover of a Flamingo song. I didn't know anything about doo-wop, and it, if it wasn't for Art Garfunkel doing that cover, I would have never known about the Flamingos or this wonderful genre of music. So that's all I want to say. Thank you guys for always having really great shows. Hi, guys. Just caught up with your Valentine show, and I got to say, 
that the greatest beg, scream, and shout song about a lover is 1966's Stay With Me by Lorraine Ellison. But for my money, Bette Midler owns this song. Any of her live renditions from The Rose, from The Divine Miss M, and on through her concert career are incredible. Thanks for the show. Really enjoy it. Hi, this is Michael from Springfield, Oregon. And there's a lot of pleading songs out there. But, you know, one that uh, people don't think of as a pleading song is Help by the Beatles. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. I heard an interview with John Lennon. Where he said, for crying out loud, we were saying, help. They were trapped in this crazy, bizarre world of astounding celebrity and uh, were not coping with it well. And they wrote this song and said, help. And they made it kind of a plea for love, but it was kind of a plea for sanity in their lives as well. Thanks. Great topic. Hi, my name is Barbara. I'm calling from Philadelphia, and I'm calling, or just listening to Sir the Baptist, unbelievable. And one of the things that he said was that this music is for everyone, Buddhist, Christian, Muslims, and it's the music of the soul. He's captured the essence of our soul. I'm sitting here, and I'm totally enjoying it. Thank you very much, Sound Opinion. Hi, my name is Carlos. I'm calling from Chicago. I'm a conga player in a band called Funkadaisy. I truly enjoyed this interview with Don Was. I love his generosity, his kindness, and I say that because having met him in Detroit once and humbly asked him all these questions about the Stones, he answered them all and hung out with me. I just love his attitude, and it's just his open heart. And I, too, was born in 52. Anyway, thanks. You guys did a great job. I love that dude. Ciao. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.